Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. If you thought you could escape analysis of the 2021 Senate election, you have come to the wrong place. Joining us this evening to talk through his research on the Welsh electoral study is James Griffiths, a PhD student in politics at the University of Manchester, who is researching national identity and sub-state nationalism. Hello, James. Hi, OK there. Very well. Thank you very much for joining us. So your research was on the Welsh election study. Would you be able to explain a little bit about what that study is and how big the sample is of voters, etc., that, that you've drawn these conclusions from? Yeah, so the um, Welsh election study is a study that's hosted out, uh, out of Cardiff, which I have been um, uh, helping on over the last um, couple of months. The Welsh election study focuses on, obviously, Welsh, Welsh elections, having previous studies in 2003, 7, uh, 11, 16, one for the 2019 general election, and then one for the uh, Senate election that's just gone. The 2021 survey covers around 4,000 participants from Wales and covers a variety of topics from um, coronavirus to voting intention to how you feel about political parties to what you think the national support of Wales is. So it's a wide breadth of interesting topics that um, a lot of research will um, be coming out on uh, in the near future. In your blog that covered the study, you said that Wales is sleepwalking to independence. Would you be able to explain a little bit about what you meant by that? Yeah, so the term sleepwalking uh, is lifted from a speech that Mark Drakeford made in, um, I believe, the House of Lords uh, very recently, where he said that the um, United Kingdom was sleepwalking towards dissolution. With the case of Wales, I think that the term sleepwalking is quite apt because um, I go over this in the blog, but after a long period of stability, attitudes towards independence appear to have changed in recent years, particularly after 2016, where support has been steadily increasing. However, this support, unlike in Scotland, where independence is incredibly salient territorial cleavage, independence in Wales, while important to many people, it does not appear to be as salient a cleavage at this point. Lots of people may be becoming more favourable or more supportive of independence, but that does not necessarily mean that independence is a priority for them right now. Hence, this, these kind of changes in attitudes may be going on under the surface at the moment. How does polling for independence compare to other constitutional preferences, James? It depends on the measure that you use, but if you look at the... So there's a measure which I, is often used, um, taken from the British Social Attitude Survey, which asks respondents whether they support uh, independence inside or outside the EU, whether they support the existence of the Senedd with or without tax powers, or whether they support abolishing the Senedd entirely. So at the moment, attitudes towards independence are similar to attitudes towards abolish, with around a quarter of respondents in the 2021 survey supporting either independence or abolish. The majority of people in Wales uh, support the existence of the Senedd with tax raising powers or with power over tax in Wales. However, when you then look at independence, it really depends on what type of independence you're talking about. Support for independence outside the EU is very low. Around Only around 5% of the Welsh electorate support 
uh, an independent Wales outside the European Union. That hasn't really changed since 2007. What has changed is that um, support for an independent Wales inside the EU, that has increased from around just over 5% to about 20% or so now. So that has changed rather dramatically. It's very interesting that though, isn't it? Because, you know, so much is made about the independence movement and whether it offers a vision for the future of Wales in, in concrete, tangible terms or whether it just talks about the idea of being independent. From your research, it seems quite clear that in order to advance itself, the Welsh independence movement really does need to kind of be a pro-EU movement. Well, this is the thing, is that on the surface, it appears that the people who have become more supportive of independence. And when I say more supportive, I mean people who have either didn't support independence in 2016, but now do, or people who, on a scale of 0 to 10, with 0 being abolish the Senate, 10 being support independence, people who've moved along the scale towards independence, those people who've become more supportive tend to support Remain or tend to have voted Remain in 2016. The difficulty is, is that Brexit and independence, in Scotland at least, those two um, issues can really divide each other. And you have a rather significant portion of the independence movement in Scotland that supports Brexit. So while the SNP may be a pro-EU party, it can make things a bit difficult for the, uh, difficult in trying to mobilise independence if you mobilise a version of independence that is entirely focused on the EU. I think right now it is possible that we might see similar things in Wales, but it does look like there will be more utility in pushing that pro-European vision right now with you know, potential caveats for, for the future. Parties advocating independence only got about 20% of the vote in the Senate election though, James. How can that really be a mandate for increased support for independence. Surely if you want independence, you've got to vote for it. Why come we got a lower percentage of the vote than they did in the, in the 2016 election? Even if independence is growing, that isn't really turning into votes, is it? No, it isn't. Applied don't seem to be benefiting from this increased support and independence at the moment. And part of the reason for that is, if you look at these recent converts to uh, independence or the people who've become more supportive at least, significant portion, nearly um, half of them, voted for Labour in the 2021 um, election. Now, it seems a little bit contradictory that a person who supports independence would vote for a party that supports uh, the union, but I feel that part of that is happening because Welsh Labour have made a really, um, have been really successful at marketing themselves as a Welsh party. Rodri Morgan talked about creating clear red water between them and Westminster, and people do see them as standing up for Welsh interests. A similar level to, and this isn't in the blog, but a similar level to Plaid. I think another reason why this increased support for independence isn't translating into Plaid support is that independence isn't a priority for these people at the moment. The Welsh Government Centre posted about it um, saying that for many people in Wales, other things matter right now, things like um, health or the economy. And while independence, these people may support independence, they're not going to vote based on that opinion right now. Obviously, we see that that may change, but I think that's where 
plight are uh, are struggling to um, attract these uh, attract these recent converts. Do you think that the reason that Plaid are failing to win these people over is because they're looking at them like Plaid voters? Because they support independence, they think they support independence for the same reason that people who traditionally vote Plaid do. Whereas actually, what these people are are people who are looking for a route to socialism through an independent Wales. And Plaid have completely misunderstood who these voters are and what their priorities are. Well, I can't comment on Plaid strategies or how they view these voters, but I do think that it's important to stress that these recent converts are very different to the more long-standing independent supporters. One of the really key ways in which these individuals are different is that these recent converts are far more British. These people who now have moved over towards supporting independence they tend to prioritise their Welsh identity, but they still have very strong British identities, which means that, you know, making kind of identity-based claims isn't necessarily going to resonate with them in the same way that it would with more long-standing supporters. That's quite interesting, though, isn't it? Because I'm sure we've all seen the data, and I'm sure that the kind of people who are listening to us now have a vague idea of what we're talking about when we do. The idea that people who identify exclusively as Welsh tend to vote more often than not for Plaid Cymru. Those who are more Welsh than British tend to vote Labour. And those who are more British than Welsh or exclusively British tend to vote Conservative. Where's the cutoff point in this independent support? Because my logic would say that it starts to go gradually down from exclusively Welsh down to more Welsh than British. And it sort of levels off to nothingness when you get to exclusively British. Is that true? Are there people who are equally Welsh and British still supporting independence? Or are there those who are exclusively British who back independence? Very few people who are exclusively British supporting independence. But you do find a, a large portion of individuals who are who have dual Welsh and British identities supporting independence. Those tend to be uh, tend to be found more often among the recent converts to independence, which is interesting because it seems to be that these individuals simultaneously support separation from a state, but also continue to identify quite strongly with that state. And part of that may be that they have different reasons for wanting independence, as you touched on. It may be that they are looking for. A, a route of installing socialism, or potentially they see uh, independence for Wales as a route back into the EU. So, because of their different motivations, their the the, comp, the supposed competition between their Welsh and British identities isn't that it being British doesn't have to rule out the possibility of supporting independence, which does seem contradictory. But <laughs> part of that may also be that these people aren't having to make that choice right now because independence isn't a priority for them. One thing that you find, it isn't in the uh, in the blog, but you find that is since 2016, people who have switched towards uh, independence have become less British. The strength of their um, British identity has decreased, but they still remain very strongly British. So it may be that we're starting to see that there is a competition here, that people are starting to see that their support for independence may not be compatible. So if independence becomes salient, we may see them move away from Britishness, but uh, there needs to be further research on that. To what extent do you think that the idea and concept of Welshness and Britishness have changed in the last few years? Do you think there are now different concepts in 2021 to when they were in sort of 2016, the year of the Brexit referendum? 
I don't necessarily think that Welshness has changed, but I think that there are a lot of people who have changed that are, or there have been, because started to become changes in viewing how compatible Britishness is. Thinking back to 2012, when you had things like the, uh, the, the London Olympics and it was a big celebration of you know, an inclusive vision of Britishness. But since then, we've had um, a, uh, the Brexit referendum, which associates uh, with um, national identity. Elsa Henderson and um, others have looked at how British identity associates with supporting leave in Scotland and Wales, whereas Welshness and Scottishness associates with voting remain. Um, since then, we've had a Conservative Party who have adopted a form of kind of muscular unionism, an attempt to kind of stress that there are, that there are no you know, there are no differences or there should be no differences, and those kind of things. There is a lot of research on um, by people like Carlo Basta that, that when you have a centre that is stressing that oh well we're all one nation and uh, there are no differences it can create a kind of backlash where people then start going, well, no, and they push away, push back off that and think, well, no, actually, we are different. So it may necessarily be that as we've started to see these kind of more aggressive forms of unionism, we may then be seeing people reacting against that. But, yeah, that's uh, that's my form of speculation on that. You talk a little bit about how support for independence is different in Wales and it is in Scotland, because in Scotland it's a very germane issue. The likelihood of a referendum much more real. So do you think that support for independence in Wales is softer than it is in Scotland? It very possibly may be softer. I think that there is a incredibly strong support for devolution and a strong um, support for a Welsh voice and Welsh representation within Wales. I think that things like Brexit and uh, potentially challenges to this uh, devolution through um, the uh, pandemic may kind of push people or may make people think about their how tenable their support for devolution is or how, how whether or not it can be kind of sustained um, in face of that pressure. But I think in Wales that at the moment, if people were given the choice, they well, they, they are going to lump for um, stronger powers rather than necessarily independence. On that basis, how long do you think that Welsh Labour's soft nationalism will work? Do you think there's ever a chance that people will start switching to, to Ply, Cymru or the Greens? I think if independence becomes a cleavage where these people start voting on that basis, if, if independence becomes a more salient cleavage than that, pro-union soft nationalist position becomes uh, far more difficult to hold. Now, there are other difficulties with Scottish Labour and their kind of campaigns in the early 2010s, but researchers like um, Ed Fieldhouse and Chris Prosser look at how Scottish Labour found themselves stuck between their pro-union position and their left-wing position. And their standing on a stage with the Conservatives and the Lib Dems in the 2014 referendum campaign, pushed a lot of their voters, particularly left-wing voters, away from them towards the SNP. If independence became such a salient cleavage that Labour were forced to stand on a stage with the Welsh Conservatives, 
then that distinctness, that ability to, for Welsh Labour to say, no, we are different, becomes, um, becomes harder to, to, uh, to, to claim. However, that does in, rely on independence becoming much more salient and the people starting to prioritise that first. What impact do you think uh, a Labour government in Westminster would have on, on that support? Do you think that if Labour voters saw a route to a more socialist, social democratic government through a Westminster system, their, their support for independence would diminish? So I'll preface this by saying I think there needs to be a lot more research on the motivations for people supporting independence and certainly on, as you said, how soft or how um, sticky this support is which hopefully will come. But I think it would depend on, if there were a Labour government, how that Labour government treated uh, the devolved um, parliaments, how uh, their attitude was towards the Senate. Because if you have a Labour government, but you then don't see progress, you don't see, for argument's sake, uh, because Brexit seems to be such an important thing that's kind of driving people towards independence, if you don't see moves moves towards Europe or you don't see the extension of powers to devolve parliaments, then potentially the presence of a Labour government in Westminster may not provide these people with that alternative that they need to kind of dissuade them from uh, supporting independence. Uh, whilst the the data on independence has probably caused the most uh, recently, you've also recently done some work on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic management uh, has had on voter intention. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, me and um, Jack Lana, um, who is at uh, Cardiff, uh, we are working on a paper at the moment which looks at whether um, evaluations of how the devolved and UK governments, their ha- the evaluations of their handling of the pandemic, whether they have had an effect on vote intention. And it does seem to be that people who think that the Welsh government, the Scottish government, or the UK government, people who think that they have done a good job at handling the pandemic are more likely to vote for them in an election. However, there are some important caveats here, which is that these evaluations seem to be influenced more by your pre-existing identities than any kind of material reality of the pandemic. So for example, whether you lost your job, lost your income, received furlough, whether you had um, coronavirus to any degree, whether you know someone who had coronavirus to any degree, those things don't influence whether or not you think the government has done a good job. Instead, your evaluations of whether or not the Welsh government or the UK government have done a good job associate with your national identity your party identity and your Brexit position. So what we may be seeing instead is that people are rallying around their side and instead of evaluating the government on their performance are instead using these, these markers to say, I liked, I liked them before, I think they're doing a good job. Um, people talk about a rally around the flag effect. Uh, which may be something that we're seeing. On that point, is it a rally around the flag? Is it a rally around the incumbent government? Or is it a rally around your side, the people you liked already? What would you say is more accurate? 
I'd argue that it's a rally around your side rather than necessarily the flag, because if you look at Wales, for an example, you see the opposite trends for the Welsh government and uh, the, uh, the UK government with Conservative voters, for example, evaluating the UK government well, but the Welsh government poorly. British identifiers tend to evaluate the UK government well. Welsh identifiers um, tend to evaluate the UK government poorly. I think the one way you see that it's particularly your side rather than the incumbent is when when it comes to Brexit position, where Leave voters are far more likely to say that the UK government has done a good job in England, Scotland and Wales than Remain voters are. But the opposite is then true uh, of the Scottish and Welsh governments, where the, you know, the incumbents in Scotland and Wales both have criticised Brexit. And it seems to be that then Leave voters have recognised that and are uh, not um, evaluating them um, as, as well. What kind of conclusions can we draw from the data then about the Welsh voter, the average Welsh voter? Is there such a thing or, or are we uh, as diverse and confusing a cohort as a larger electorates? I think that there's a lot of diversity uh, amongst the Welsh electorate. I think that not only if you just look at national identity, not only do you have the, the cross-section of British and Welsh identifiers, you also have a very, very large portion of individuals who identify as English and very strongly English. And that kind of separates Wales, certainly from England and um, also from Scotland, in that you have those three national identities that interact and compete potentially with each other in different ways Um, This is something I'm kind of looking into more in my PhD, but I think what is going to be interesting is how these identities interact as these territorial issues become more important, which seeing as, you know, recent studies have talked about how large the economic impact of Brexit is going to be on Wales and how that may then be politicised in terms of the independence movement, we may see that the Welsh voter starts being pulled in very different directions, um, which may uh, be interesting in the future. Do you think then that the nations of Britain, as has been previously stated by people like Richard Wynne Jones, are now represented by their national parties? That the Conservative Party is the National Party of England, that the SNP is the National Party of Scotland, and Welsh Labour is the National Party of Wales? I think that's certainly how Welsh Labour and the SNP present themselves. I think it's more difficult when talking about the uh, Conservatives, people uh, like um, uh, Michael Kenny and uh, obviously uh, Richard Wynne Jones and Elsa Henderson's book on Englishness talk about the Conservative Party and their kind of attempts to mobilise Englishness, but they are also a British nationalist party in lots of ways. They talk about the union, they talk about how Britain is better together, but it's also it's often through a lot of references to when they talk about British history, it's English history. When they talk about British values, they tend to be referencing things that are associating with England. So while the Conservatives are ultimately a British party, I think they are they, the type of Britishness that they kind of express is a very, uh, is a very English vision. How are these all reconciled? Because if you talk to a Welsh Labour politician, they think they talk about Britishness too. They talk about uh, Britain. 
But how different are the versions of a Conservative Britain and a Labour Britain? I think they're very different. I think they're very different on the ground as well. And you see that in that Britishness associates with very different things depending on where you are. Britishness in England associates with a singular form of Britishness associates with being Remain, um, being left-wing, a kind of cosmopolitan um, vision, whereas Britishness in Scotland and Wales tends to associate with a more conservative, right-wing, leave-voting view. And it's hard to reconcile them if you're trying to mobilise a Britain or if you're trying to mobilise this image of one Britain that's going to be very hard to do when what that Britain means is very different, particularly in the largest territory of the United Kingdom. Uh, well, James, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we will ensure to uh, include your work on the Welsh Election Study in our uh, show notes. If people want to hear more from you, where can they go to hear you, for, for example, on Twitter? Uh, so my handle is um, at uh, James David uh, Griff with uh, two Fs. Um, and you'll um, find me uh, there talking about uh, Welsh politics and um, Welsh football. (laughs) Well, perfect combination. Um, Thank you very much, James. If you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find us on Medium at HereIfeBlogCymru, on Facebook at HereIfeBlogCymru, and on Twitter at HereIfeBlog. Thank you for listening to HereIfe. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.